the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Invite everyone up through the 12th grade, please come forward. <laughs> that I would put on, and it almost looked like an evil man's face. Uh, and it was very scary looking. For instance, so if I woke Mary up in the morning and I was right there, <laughs> you know, I didn't do that, but if I did, she would just jump and scream, you know. So, but it reminds me of the story of a man, a man who, whose face was evil looking, ugly, mad, angry, uh, and he, he just lived life that way. He was always doing bad things. He was an evil man. And so his face began to look like he acted. And anybody that looked at his face thought, oh, stay away from that guy. But one day this man, he met a woman. And he fell in love with this woman. But he didn't want the woman to, to see his face. And so he went to a professional mask maker. And he got a... a, a looking man's face and put it on his head and, and, and it, you couldn't even tell it was a mask. It looked real. And so this man, he started dating this woman and eventually they got married. And because he wanted this woman to love him, he started doing kind things for the woman, loving things for the woman. And he would, he would do, he would do chore, he would do all sorts of stuff. Anything that she asked him to do, he would sacrifice what he wanted to do so that he could do it for her. Well, one day he had an accident. And the ambulance took him to the hospital and the doctor figured out that he had a mask on. And the, his wife was there and, and the doctor peeled off the mask and the woman just looked at him. And what she discovered was a very kind, handsome, loving face, his real face. It had changed because he began acting and loving and doing good things. His whole face began to change. He was no longer, didn't look like he was angry and, and evil looking anymore because he learned how to do good, kind things for someone. Jesus tells us that we are to love God with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. When we practice loving God, and it is practice, we have to practice. It's not something that comes normal. When we practice loving our neighbors, loving our families, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> They're closer to us, right? So we have to practice and practice and practice. And when we practice love, it begins to show. It begins to show in our eyes, on our faces, and people begin to see God because they see love, and God is pure love. So, so love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor with all your heart, with 
all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Okay? Okay? Yes? All right. That's your Halloween story. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I'm starting one. That's what I'm So there, there were these two elderly, excited southern women who were sitting together in the front pew of the church listening to this very fiery preacher. And when this preacher condemned the sin of stealing, these two ladies cried out at the top of their lungs, Amen, brother! When the preacher condemned the sin of lust, they yelled again, Preach it, reverend! And when the preacher condemned the sin of lying, they jumped to their feet and screamed, Right on, brother, tell it like it is. Amen. But when the preacher condemned the sin of gossip, <laughs> the two ladies got very quiet. And one turned to the other and said, He's done quit preaching and he's gone to meddling now. <laughs> That's an old one. This morning at the 11 o'clock service, we will be baptizing, well, one might be six, but two, two infants and one 11-year-old. And I believe that one of the great privileges we have as Christians is to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. It is a time much like in our Holy Eucharist when we stand on holy ground and the veil that separates heaven and earth seems almost non-existent at that moment. And heaven and earth are joined together. It is a moment when all the company of heaven and the whole church on earth rejoices together in the making of a saint. And so this morning I want to talk about this great sacrament of baptism. I remember a story I heard one time about a little boy whose mother looked out the window one day and she saw him playing church in the backyard with the family cat. <laughs> he, had the quiet, he had the cat sitting quietly while he was preaching, this little boy. And she smiled and she went about her work in the house. And a little while later, she heard loud meowing and hissing and she ran back to the open window to see her little boy baptizing the cat in a tub of water. And she called out, Johnny, stop that. The cat is, a, is afraid of water. And little Johnny looked, it up and looked up at her and said, well, he should have thought about that before he joined my church. <laughs> the Anglican church, our church, is a sacramental church. And one of her sacraments is this great sacrament of holy baptism. And with this sacrament comes many spiritual benefits. We believe that when a person, whether that person be an infant or a child or an adult, when that person receives the sacrament of baptism, first he or she receives the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit inside this temple, this body. Second, he or she receives forgiveness of sins. Third, he or she is made a child of God by adoption. Fourth, 
he or she is made a member of God's holy church. Fifth, he or she is raised to the new life of grace. I think the Holy Spirit's working over here. <laughs> and six, we are told in Holy Scripture that we become heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. We become inheritors of God's grace and God's kingdom. They are ours to inherit. Baptism leaves a permanent spiritual mark on our soul and it makes us holy and opens us to salvation and eternal life with God. All of these benefits are found and confirmed in the Holy Scripture. So I ask, how in the world could anyone not want to receive these benefits? Unless, of course, they don't know anything about them. And folks, the greatest benefit of all is that God himself helps us, gives us grace to fall more in love with him day after day for the rest of our lives. It's the spirit who allows us to move into that wonderful, loving relationship with God and helps it to grow day by day. Now, one thing I really want to point out today is that baptism is the work of God. It's not my work. It's not your work. Baptism is the work of God. This is so very important for us to understand. When we are baptized, it is something that is done to us and for us not something that we do ourselves. We need to understand this because it informs what we as Anglicans believe about baptism, which also helps us to understand this whole concept about infant baptism. There's disagreement in the Christian world about infant baptism. One of the reasons the church from its very beginning baptized even little children is because the early church remembered the words of Jesus found in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder the little children, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. <coughs> Jesus clearly says the kingdom of heaven also belongs to children. Let's remember that Jesus was born a Jew and the Jewish equivalent to baptism was the rite of circumcision. Jesus was circumcised when he was eight days old, just like every male Jewish child, to signify his entry into the covenant community of Israel. In Judaism, children were always included in the covenant community as God's chosen people. Well, as the Christian church gradually developed and became a separate entity from Judaism, it no longer understood circumcision to be necessary for entry into the covenant community. Eventually, circumcision was not required for being a Christian. In the very early church, it was, but not thereafter. Listen to what St. Paul said to the church in Colossae, remembering that St. Paul was right in the middle of this transition from circumcision to baptism. He writes, in him, in Jesus, you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. 
When you were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So for the church, baptism begins to take the place of the rite of circumcision as the sign of entry into the Christian community, into the body of Christ. And it was, as much more, it was a much more inclusive symbol since both male and female could be baptized. So the church didn't seem to think twice about the practice of infant baptism, understanding it to be a sign of God's love for us before we could ever even begin to think about God, which included even children in the covenant community. At baptism, we say the child receives God's prevenient grace. Pre in Latin means before, and vene means to come. Prevenient, prevene, grace means then that grace is extended to us before we even come to know that God loves us. Think about it this way. Way back when, for some of you, many of you, when you were absolutely helpless, some people loved you so much that they brought you to the front of a church and claimed you for Jesus Christ. Which brings up a question, is baptism a once and for all thing? Is it okay to be rebaptized? Questions we ask in our day and age. Well, the answer for us Anglicans is no, it's not okay to be rebaptized. We don't believe in rebaptism, because to be rebaptized, I want you to think about this, negates the work of God that was done for you at your baptism, at your first baptism, your only baptism. Remember, baptism is the work of God, not the work of you, not the preacher, not even the church. It is God working in you, bringing the Holy Spirit into your soul. Again, baptism leaves a permanent spiritual mark on our soul that makes us holy, opens us to salvation and eternal life with God. No matter how you felt about it when it happened, if you felt anything, you can trust that God did his part. God doesn't make mistakes, especially when it comes to baptism. At your baptism, you were received by his wondrous mercy and grace and you became his own dear child, adopted son, adopted daughter. You began a new relationship that day. And here's the deal. If anyone has moved away from that relationship, it's you who moved, not God. So you don't need to be rebaptized. You simply need to return to that relationship begun at your baptism. Now, I know some people, some even very close to me, have gone through the act of baptism again. Maybe even some of you have been rebaptized. And perhaps you did feel something when you were rebaptized. But you need to know that according to the Holy Scripture, baptism is a one time experience. That doesn't take away from the feeling that you might have had. What you experienced was a renewal of sorts, and that's good. In fact, every time we baptize someone, as we're doing today at 11, we, the gathered church, we renew our own baptismal covenant, our vows. 
The Holy Spirit graciously comes to us again and again and again throughout our lifetime. In fact, we can experience the renewal of the Holy Spirit in many, many ways. During worship, today even, during Holy Communion, during the baptism of another person, at a spiritual retreat, at Soul in the City, at Curcio, at a Bible study, during a private devotion in your home, uh, even singing a hymn or singing a song. In all these ways, we can experience newness in the Holy Spirit. We can't be rebaptized; it just doesn't work that way. And I know this is where we part company with some of our other Christian brothers and sisters, which reminds me of a story, I told it three or four years ago, about a Baptist preacher in Georgia named Anonymous McBride. His mother gave him that name Anonymous because she was trying to honor a poet who, whose work she liked. She didn't realize Anonymous was, wasn't a real name. Well, anyway, Anonymous grew up, became a Baptist preacher, and he had a specialty of sorts, and it had to do with baptism. It seems Anonymous was very skillful at making Anglicans and Methodists and Presbyterians uneasy about their baptism. Anglicans and Methodists and Presbyterians most often observe baptism by pouring water over the head of a child. Immersion is fine in all of our traditions, but most of our churches don't have baptistries. But some Baptists insist the only true baptism is by immersion, going all the way under the water. So Anonymous persuaded lots of Anglicans and Methodists and Presbyterians that unless they went all together under the water, they were lost souls. And every Sunday afternoon down at the Chattahoochee River, he rebaptized 10 or 15 of them. That is, until he met a Methodist lady by the name of Raynell Roberts. He persuaded Raynell that baptism by sprinkling wasn't good enough. So he scheduled her for baptism by immersion the following Sunday afternoon. But Raynell's desire for rebaptism was exceeded only by her fear of water. She happened to have a son who had been in the Navy. He had brought home one of those really fine Navy life jackets. So Raynell, she took the flotation material out of that life jacket and sewed it to the inside lining of her dress. And because she was a rather large lady, a few extra bulges weren't very noticeable. Then on a memorable Sunday afternoon that folks still talk about back in Georgia, Raynell was led into the water by Anonymous McBride, and after speaking the words of ritual, he tried to immerse Raynell, but he couldn't get her under the water. Anonymous was determined, and reports are that a great struggle ensued. Witnesses said it looked like a couple of hippos out there bobbing <laughs> up and down. Now, I should have mentioned that the current in this particular portion of the Chattahoochee River is rather swift. And in the midst of the baptismal struggle, Raynell got loose from Anonymous and off she went down the river. <laughs> she was last seen going around the bend as the choir sang in the sweet by and by. <laughs> and it's said that that day, Raynell Roberts broke old Anonymous of his habits 
of rebaptizing so many Christians. <laughs> Folks, baptism is God's work in us. And each time the sacrament is celebrated, such as today, the good news of Jesus Christ is retold and acted out. At our baptism, we are united with Christ. We are made a part of his kingdom. As the baptismal waters touch our heads, an inner cleansing, a transformation occurs. And at that time, we receive a new name, Christian. We take on the name of Christ. And I'll illustrate this with one more story. Dr. Doug Meeks is a theologian from Memphis. Some time ago, he was in Korea on a lecture tour and his host had told him that while he was there, he should have one of the local tailors uh, make a suit for him because their work, he said, is internationally renowned. So Dr. Meeks went to a Korean tailor whose name happened to be Smitty Lee. And after, greeting, after getting to know him a bit, Dr. Meeks asked how he got that very non-Korean name. And Smitty told him that many years ago he fought with the Americans in the Korean War. And he became good friends with an American GI named Smitty. And often they shared the same foxhole. Well, one day the enemy lobbed a grenade into that foxhole and his American friend, Smitty, dove on top of it. He had given his life to save his Korean buddy. So, Smitty Lee says, I took the name of the man who died for me. I must live for him. Friends, we are those who know that Christ Jesus died for us. And out of gratitude, we not only take his name, but we also make a covenant to live our lives for him. That's what it means to live out our baptism. Someone once said that baptism is a one-time event that takes a lifetime to finish, and that is so true. In baptism, we celebrate our crucified, risen Lord and he gives to us our new identity, our new name, and our new life. In return, we give him all that we are and all that we hope to become. You know, thinking about my baptism makes me thankful to God for loving me from the very beginning of my life, even before I had any awareness of who God was and for sticking with me through all of the ups and downs of my life and promising to be there all the way to the end of my life. I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who has made it possible for me and for you to be a child of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.